Those old reruns keep your family apart. Does your dog fall asleep at the very start? Then turn off the TV. And here's what you will when you play a game from Atari. With an Atari game, a flick of the switch turns your TV set into a playground and your family room into a family room. Have you played Atari today? To our special Thanksgiving episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, we'll be talking about a feast of Atari 2600 games. We've done a couple of these episodes in the past, uh, two or three times, uh, including the bonus episodes. I'm very excited to go back to the 2600 games. These mm-hmm. may be my favorite episodes. I don't know if anyone else likes them as much as me, uh, but that's okay, because I'm the one who has to edit them. Uh, but before we jump into our feast of 2600 games, four games that somewhat, very loosely, deal with food. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, since our last episode, normally I ask what you guys have been doing, but I'm going to start off only because... Uh, this year is not letting any of us get off easy. Obviously, last episode we heard about uh, Jeremy Gregory having a, a hospital stay in a rough time. I managed to, after avoiding it for uh, the last two and a half years, managed to get COVID uh, last week, right after we recorded and uh, and posted the show. And then now it's cycling through my house. Uh, it was not terrible. I didn't have to go to the hospital. Thankfully, I was just home. But uh, it does mean that my whole Thanksgiving plans have been thrown off. So I'm looking forward to talking about these games <laughs> as it's going to be the most celebration I have for this Thanksgiving this year. Uh, but the the other thing that I've been playing is, as I mentioned last time, is the Atari 50 collection, uh, mm. which I don't know if either of you picked it up. But it is it's like a, a museum that you can play through. You can also just list the games and play it anyway, but they have all these cool video clips and, and they're all very short and they tie directly to each game or each um, each era of the company. And at first I was kind of like, this is really cool, but I don't know if I'm going to play these games that often, because a lot of the 2600 games in general, um, if we already had them in other collections, or they're just not games I care for too much, like I'm not going to play combat single player, it's not really a single player fun game or outlaw, right? Those are both in there. But without a second player, those games are totally unenjoyable. But there's actually a, a, a good chunk of things on there that are interesting things i haven't played before there's there's atari uh 800 games that are on there like it's got over 100 things but the big six that i focused all my time on is they have like reimagined versions of the uh, of like six atari classics so there's a reimagined breakout a reimagined combat tanks there's a reimagined uh yars revenge Ooh. Along with the reimagined games that are like just straight reimagined of the classics that are that kind of like everything looks like Geometry Wars and it has that kind of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, retro wave soundtrack to it. But there's a game that's just called Vector Sector, V-C-T-R, S-C-T-R, and it's basically like 
if you were going to design a game that played like Geometry War, sort of, but it was also like a love letter to a bunch of collected games, it starts with a level that's very much like a better version of Asteroids, followed by a version of Lunar Lander that's an incredible version of Lunar Lander, followed by a version of some sort of like almost battle tankish sort of level, but slightly different, and then uh, a level that's basically just... Um, Tempest, but they're back to back. So you finish a level of asteroids and it clears out, and then like your ship, you know, it looks like it's changing into this other thing and then it turns into a lunar lander level. And the whole time it looks like all vector graphics and it's got this incredible soundtrack and it's super smooth and it just it feels amazing. I love playing those for reimagined games. So that's that's what I've spent most of my time on, along with the Atari specific Atari games, actual Atari games we're gonna talk about today. But but Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? A lot of God of War. Um Billy, I don't know if you've you've played it yet. Uh, not the new one. Uh, I I did play through the the previous, but it's it's on my list. Um, well, the previous one was one of my favorite games of all time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to this one. And so far, you know, it's it's a very good game, but it I don't know how far I am. I'm pretty sure I'm you know fairly far into it, but. It's you know I, I loved the last game because it was it was really about you know Kratos and and him finding you know himself and what he's become and and just becoming okay with that and this one it's not even really about him so far he's just kind of a side character that you control all the time uh, really the story is about uh, his son Atreus and uh, this other side character Tyr. And what their story is and what, you know, they're going through to kind of figure out who they are. And it, it's just kind of a bummer because I was, you know, I, I love all the stuff with Kratos and everything. And and he just kind of says a couple of things here and there <clears throat> now and then. And that's that's really it. And I don't know if, you know, it's that's going to switch around in the later half of the game. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, it just feels like you're controlling a side character that occasionally yells or says one line of something. But is it, so far, it's, it is still a very good game. And I'm enjoying it a lot. If you, if you like God of War, then you're going to like this one. Just be prepared for a very different kind of story. Uh, yeah, I've I've only played the original God of War, honestly, and I, I want to try the others. I just haven't. I think I have the most recent, not this last one, but the one before that was like a free PlayStation Network download at some point. So I have that sitting on my X or PlayStation Four to to try at some point. But Billy, what have you been playing? Ah, uh, god damn it! Still Call of Duty, still going hard. You know they got the big update. Uh, Warzone is on there, which I do not touch uh, because I'm not not the biggest battle royale guy. But they did put in a DMZ mode. Uh, and this mode is actually it's it's a lot of fucking fun. Uh, it's it, it's player versus player. I mean, I think other players are they're in there. I haven't seen any yet though because it's a pretty damn big map. But a lot of it is just player versus enemy. Um, very goal oriented. Uh, you know, you get twenty thirty minutes. Uh, you you're collecting shit. You're completing objectives and advancing story and calling in the old helicopter and, and taking off. It reminded me, uh, and Jeremy, you may have either fond memories or nightmares about this, about the, uh, the old dark zone from uh, the division. Oh my God. Is it like Where, that? Yeah. Uh, you collect loot basically. And you call in that fucking chopper. Oh and you, God. 
and you hold tight <laughs> while that thing is while this thing is coming in. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's it's on a, a really big ass map. There is it looks to be just a endless amount of like strongholds to overtake and items to find along the way. Uh, so that that's been kind of a, a fun diversion just from from playing multiplayer. Uh, I also. Uh, on the Xbox, started playing a game called Chorus, and Chorus is is fucking phenomenal. I, it was one of those. It was just on Game Pass, and I was scrolling through, uh, really just trying to break out of playing Call of Duty exclusively. Uh, and I, I took a little bit of a chance on it because it's not really my thing. It's a it's a lot of space shooter to it. Uh, I haven't. I don't think my character has been outside of their ship yet, and I don't know if we ever are. But it's just a really like beautiful game uh it's it's looks tremendous it handles really fucking well um and i'm you know i'm I'm still early on but it, it the even the story um has me pulled in so far so I, i'm gonna definitely be uh continuing through that one when i can pull myself away from getting the old house fixed up for for the uh, upcoming festivities but we got festivities for our own on this episode we do. I'm very excited to uh, to talk about a bunch of food-related, very loosely defined food-related games for the Atari 2600 <laughs> and what we're calling our Atari 2600 Feast, and we're going to kick it off with a game that very clearly is about food because it's in the title, Fast Food by Telesis. Faster than a speeding waitress. Faster than a short order cook. Faster even than a drive-up window. It's fast food from Telesis, the hot new video game for your Atari VCS. Eat all the fast food you can, burgers, shakes, fries, as fast as you can, but watch out for the purple pickles. That's tummy trouble. Fast food, another very funny video game for your Atari VCS from Telesis. The fun and games people, of course. Uh, you know what? I think nothing, nothing quite sums up Thanksgiving like the moment in this game or it proudly tells you you're getting fatter. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, only game I ever played that does that. Yeah, I, besides the Wii Fit, um, but the Wii Fit had a little more tact about it, right? Like they were, they told you that, but you know, not not so bluntly. But yeah, this is, um, and I think we'll find with all these games, and like the other twenty six hundred episodes, first time we try to do these, it's like, well, how the hell are we going to talk about a twenty six hundred game at, at at length, an Atari game at length? It with how basic they are, but yeah, we have a lot of basic principles in all of these games. But uh, as with this one, it's done so well, and there is so much charm to it. And add in a dash of pure insanity, and uh, that's the key to a good Atari game. There, and yeah, this one immediately, um, it's it's fast food, and the word fast is in the name, and it delivers in in later stages. Well, you all know how much I love Atari 2600 episodes. Yes. Um, I, I think for me, like the Atari 2600 episodes are like the fighting game episodes for Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I have a really hard time finding things to say, but I didn't hate these games that we played. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not bad. I mean, they're so simple, but this one is literally just a bunch of food flying at a just a mouth it's it's literally just a mouth um that is opening and closing 
and so like you're you're trying to get the the highest scoring foods which is usually usually a hamburger just like real life oh yeah and it's uh it's all about that and it's it's fun up to a point for me and i'll i'll get to that in a bit well it it is as the simplest game i think we're going to talk about in general uh, as far as the mm-hmm. rules of it it is a single screen game where food scrolls from the left to the right uh, at what a, a fairly well animated and kind of terrifying looking uh, gummy mouth uh, that will be eating all this food. And your goal is nothing but to eat all the food you possibly can before it flies off the screen. Uh, you're, as Jeremy said, the different foods give you different values. So, you know, a, a shake may only be worth two points, but a hamburger is worth five and a cheeseburger is worth a whopping 20. Uh, there's a card that's included with the game that tells you what all the food points are. But there's about 10 different food items, including pickles. And there's two different types of pickles. There are green pickles that are worth like a point and are well worth eating because they're pickles. But then there's also these purple pickles that I assume are, are either bad or poisoned or something. But if you eat six purple pickles, that is how you lose the game. There's You, you never take damage. You can't run out of time because you know it doesn't matter how many pieces of food you eat or not eat. Uh, once you eat six purple pickles, your game is over. So as soon as the game starts, literally are, it's just are those, you. Are those not eggplants? They are not eggplants. They are purple pickles and green oh, pickles. Oh, shit. Okay, I thought it was just a statement on healthy foods. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, correct. They're like, oh, eggplant, no one likes that, which is probably accurate. But no, in this case, they are purple pickles. And and each the, the game is designed so that you have you know the one life, six pickles at the end of your life. Uh, the game is a series of waves. So at first, um, the food moves rather slow, and it's very easy to tell what each item is before you have to eat it. Um, your character can move all the way, your mouth, I guess, can move all around the screen. You're not just stuck on the right or left side. But food will only go from the left to the right. Uh, it really comes down three channels. There's like a high, medium, and low channel. Uh, each of them will only have one piece of food at a time, but the speed at which each piece comes out varies. So there's kind of a slow speed that's what the game starts at for most pieces. But even in that slow level, there are a couple pieces that move a little bit faster. And then after you clear the first wave, the next wave has more pieces that move faster. And then there's like a new third, even faster speed, and it moves even faster at you. Um, the score of you earn for each food item does not change as you go up in waves. Like a lot of games, you know, it's like, oh, a, a hot dog is worth five points in level one, but in level two, it's worth ten points. Not in this game. It's always the same amount, no matter how fast it is, how far you are. In between each wave, your pickles count does not change. So if you ate four pickles in wave one, you start wave two, you've already eaten four pickles. They show up at the top of the screen along with your score. The only thing that will get rid of pickles is every, at every 500 points you've earned, one of the pickles you've eaten, if you've eaten any bad pickles, will go away from the top. So if, if you play this long enough, you can earn, you know, 500 points after two or three boards, if you do it very well, and you can clear off one of those bad pickles you've eaten. Um, I don't know about you, Jeremy, and I know you kind of said you you enjoy this, but only to a point. I can only get through about four waves on this before I would have eaten too many pickles because some of those food items, especially, yeah. honestly, even starting in wave three, were just flying too fast for me to keep track of what was what. Or they, I couldn't move out of the way fast enough because your mouth never moves faster than it moves at the start of the game. Yeah, this this has the Kaboom difficulty, basically. And I know a lot of 2600 games did this, but I played a lot of Kaboom back in the day. And Kaboom gets way crazier, way faster but the difficulty is just making everything come at you at a ridiculous speed. And once you get over that, what is it, like 5,000 or so, it gets rough. It, it starts to come at you pretty quick. And I think the furthest I got was was over the 8,000. or Is it 8,000 or 800? Uh, 500 is to get the, the bonus, um, you know, remove the pickle, I guess. 
Yeah. Once you get up to that kind of score, it's coming at you so quick you can't even hardly see what's going on. And I've never been a fan of that style of difficulty of just, you know, make it go faster until they can't play anymore. (laughs) It's not really about skill at that point. It's almost like, all right, I can't do this anymore. You'd have to be superhuman to be able to, to last through this. But yeah, you know, for a 2600 game, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I like the idea. I like being told that I'm getting fatter at the end of every stage. It's it's a funny game. It's weird. And, you know, I can appreciate that. And I would have probably enjoyed this back in the day when I played it or if I'd played it. Well, it's definitely, you know, more when I first played it, I was like, this is the simplest thing we've ever covered. Like, cause there's, there's one screen, you're just moving around this thing. The button doesn't do anything other than start the level. You don't use the button. You're just using the joystick to basically almost like an anti-shooter. You're trying to fly into everything, but only specific things. You don't want to hit the purple pickles, but everything else you want to fly into. And at first I was like, okay, I, I get this. But then slowly as I played, I was like, oh, I can make it through if I just kind of avoid food. You can go through like a hundred stages if you avoid the food each time there's no reason to pick up the food other than the score except that there is no point in this game other than to get the highest score you can you know it doesn't matter how many waves you go through it doesn't keep track of it it doesn't even say at the start of each one level one level two it's just you know all right you're getting fatter and then you push button and you eat again over and over again to get the highest score you can 500s where you get like i said get rid of a purple pickle i could get through uh, maybe three of them like 1500 or 600 points and then it was just too fast and I was hitting too many pickles, but I don't mind that. I like a good game like this. That's short, fast. It's all about score. That way, if you are playing with friends, you can easily switch off. You're not playing for three hours. It's just play this for score and then pass the controller to somebody else. Let them play for for score. I don't know. A simple game like this has to be bright and colorful. This also reminds me a lot of the journey or escape game. If anyone played the journey game for the, uh, Mm, Oh yeah, this is very similar, except that was, uh, vertical and this is horizontal uh, as far mm-hmm. as how it looks and feels but uh, this is a neat one i knew nothing about telesis the company that made this they only made six games for the atari 2600 before they went out of business uh this being one of them uh the others being games i'd never heard of coconuts cosmic creeps demolition herbie Ramit, and star gunner uh games i'd never heard of so uh fast food though if you can find a copy it has it has i don't know it's the kind of game i could see just like um mega mania where i just put it in and play it for a couple like couple rounds, 10, 15 minutes, feel good, turn it off, move on my day. I, I like games like that for the 2600. But that was Fast Food, a game that we all kind of liked. Uh, it's not based on anything but it, but itself. I mean, I guess you could say it's comparable to other games, but it's not an arcade port. The next game we're going to do, though, is an arcade port of one of my favorite games of all time, food-related or otherwise. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Atari port of Burger Time. Introducing Burger Time, the home video game where you're a chef being chased by food that constantly disagrees with you. Like hot dogs that have a taste for revenge. Burger Time! Eggs that don't turn over easy. And pickles that are very, very sour. Burger Time! Now for Intellivision, coming this fall for Atari 2600, Apple II, Aquarius, and IBM home computers. Burger Time! From Mattel Electronics, don't be surprised if you're on the menu. Oh, boy. Man, you know, I'm. It's it's good. One of the things in life that you want is consistency, right? You know, in, in the workplace, at home, and all that. Uh, so it, it really warmed my heart to know that no matter how many years have gone by, I still fucking suck at Burger Time. <laughs> and man, I, I put the most time into this. I, I, I dare say this is probably the most involved game of the bunch. Uh, as far as things going on, as far as, you know, what you need to do, um, strategy, things like that. 
Uh, so I, I put the time into it. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. I mean, I love Burger Time. I put lots of time into Burger Time in general. Oh, um, yeah. I, I'm curious to see if you guys enjoyed this game at all, because as a Burger Time fan who can play Burger Time on uh, basically not just emulators, but, you know, having the Evercade, but also the Intellivision mm-hmm. version of Burger Time is actually one of the best arcade ports uh, that was around at the time. Like, this specific version of Burger Time is awful. But maybe <laughs> if you don't love Burger Time, maybe you didn't realize how terrible it was. I don't know. What did you think of this, Jeremy? I, you know, I'm I'm not a Burger Time connoisseur like you. I don't, <laughs> you know, only accept the finest Burger Times that mm-hmm. are available. Mm-hmm. And if I, it, I kind of have to put myself, you know, back as a kid. If I was playing this, would I be satisfied with this as, you know, a, a port? of burger time and you know what i would have been okay with it It, it's reasonable as far as like you know you you can play it and you can tell what's (laughs) happening i'm not gonna say it's you know really great or anything but if i was a kid and i really loved burger time and this you know i was able to grab this i it's it's a decent facsimile of burger time and unlike the other arcade games I played on the the 2600, which was like mm. Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, you know, it's it's not a complete, you know, it, it, it's 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 playable, and you can tell what you're supposed to do. It's very simple, but it functions and it plays like the arcade game to a point mm-hmm. to me. So I'm not complaining too much. But it has the core gameplay of the arcade. So you are. Uh, Chef Peter Pepper, and you're walking around this multi-level, um, and it's a single screen, but it's a multi-level level, you know, different layers, uh, much like Donkey Kong. Um, but you are running through food items to drop them down into lower platforms, till eventually you will build, you know, when all the layers drop down, you would have built a bun, a burger, a cheese, and a bun, or, or whatever the items are supposed to be. Uh, on the 2600, you can't really tell what these items are. They're just big gray blocks or big, uh, you know, brown blocks that you drop on top of other big brown blocks till they hit the burger at the bottom. Then they have colors. You can tell, okay, that was a bun with the meat and a piece of lettuce and a bun and great. It makes a burger wonderful. But if you just clear all the stuff as it only falls straight down, you know, walk across it till it falls down. That, that's the basics. If you start, you know, if there were no enemies on the screen, you would just start at the top and walk across these platforms, dropping everything down till they eventually all, you know, once one hits, once you drop something down, if it hits another food item, they all go down a layer, right? So it's, it, it, the idea is to get as many of those kind of in a row as you can. So when you drop one, it will drop a bunch of them. However, there are enemies in this game. Uh, there's supposed to be pickles, hot dogs, and eggs, like in the arcade game. Uh, but instead in this version, for whatever reason, and this is based on the manual, you do have a hot dog and you do have eggs, but there's also breadsticks and cheese. And I can only imagine that's because aside from the the sausage, which does look like a sausage, uh, the rest of them are just big, weird blocks that like look like they mm-hmm. spin around almost, but not quite. Uh, there's a white one, an orange one, and another brown one that looks just like the rest of the level. And they slowly walk across this map. I don't know. It has the core uh, burger time mechanic right they chase you you have to get them to Mm -hmm. walk up and down the ladders and then if you can have a food item land on one of these pieces of food that chases you it will kill them get you some points and then they respawn or if you can get them to walk across like right behind you as you drop you know walk across this piece of bread or whatever and it drops down a layer then they will fall with it and the bread will actually fall farther so you get more points if you can have the enemy walk on the bread with you 
uh, without touching you because that would kill you instantly. Uh, and then it will fall and, and get more points. That does happen here as well. Uh, the button on this, the, the joystick, will shoot pepper forward. You start with five shakes of pepper that will freeze any enemy for a minute uh, that's right in front of you. And you can get more peppers by dropping pieces of the burger down after five or six pieces. You'll hear like a little tune, and then it will show up on... Uh, like either fries or something else will show up like as a little red bonus. You pick it up, you get an extra piece of pepper plus some score points. If you can clear all the burger pieces down, uh, the level clears and you get to go to another board. There's five different boards that are increasingly hard. I, I, I'm incredibly hard on this game. It's the same way I feel about uh, that. I think a lot of people feel about the Atari version of Pac-Man. I know you mentioned that, Jeremy, that like, oh, it's better than Pac-Man. I'd put this on mm -hmm. par with the Atari version of Pac-Man. Like it's... Mm. It's fine. It's got the core gameplay elements, but it's a real, real shame, considering there are so many other games that do really good arcade ports. I mean, the, the uh, Atari actually put out their own version of you know, Missile Command and all these other arcade games from the same general time frame that were incredibly good. Pac-Man stinks and Burger Time stinks. And I love Burger Time. So Burger Time as a rule is great. This version of Burger Time, I'm not a fan. But if you're not a fan, you guys are saying it's not that bad and I'm just blinded by... My love for Burger Time. That's it. A militant Burger Time player. I never thought I'd see one, but we've seen it today. No, I mean, it, it is to me. I, I've played other versions of Burger Time. So, yeah, it, it, it gets better than this. I, trust me, it gets a lot better than this. Um, you know, I, I, I know what I'm missing when I sit down for this one. But, you know, first playing this as a kid, I mean, the only other place I could play Burger Time is the arcade. And, I think I was just happy to be able to play it at home. Because while, yes, I am horrible at this game, it is one of those I would pick up quite often. I wouldn't get too far, but I would still pick it up and have fun with it. Um, it it's one of those I would celebrate any small victory I could achieve um, at all with it. But this version, yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, if you know what else is out there, yeah. Um, You'd never pick this one if you had several versions of Burger Time laying around. Uh, but no. you know, for what I had, what I had at the time at home, um, it, I, I didn't have much of a problem with it. And I still don't now. Um, God knows, like I said, I if I get that Burger Time itch, it's not going to be for this one. But as a kid, if you just had that Atari in front of you, you would be you'd be thankful. You'd be, I think, you'd be thankful for this one as a. As as much a downgraded as it is in the looks department and the everything just kind of looking like blobs department, um, it's it's the core is there, right? Uh, the mechanics are there, and that's you know, it's not one of those Atari games where they just kind of complete. It's it's not even the game you recognize by the end of it. Um, but uh, they, I think they did their best with this. They they did what they could and. Uh, it's okay. It's the burger time I've probably played the most of. And coming back to it, I mean, I was kind of able to jump back in. Once again, it's a simple concept, but I think um, there's, there's, there's just a, a layer of strategy here um, that I wasn't having to use that part of my brain as a kid when I would jump on the Atari too often. So it's, it's, it was kind of unique in that and that I was having to kind of look at the board and think, uh, several steps ahead. Uh, my biggest complaint with the game is that the pepper 
sound effects it sounds like the atari is is just taking a dump mm. and it's on there a mm, lot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i would suggest uh turning down the volume for this one because mm. it does not sound very good at all so otherwise yeah it, it's uh you know if i was a kid i'd be all right with it i'd be well thankfully i can kind of play this at home <laughs> and when i go to the arcade i can still be like wow this version's so much better yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fine for an Atari. I'm sure it's got it's nowhere close to the arcade game. I didn't do much comparison, but you know when I played it, I was like, you know what, this is Burger Time to me, and I I can't complain too much about that with an Atari 2600 game. Well, here's here's the conspiracy theory with this game, not Burger oh Time God. in general, but this version. So the the uh, the company that put this game out was M Network. Now, M Network is Mattel doing Atari games, but Mattel is the company that also owns the Intellivision. So they would take a bunch of their Intellivision games and port versions that were clearly inferior and put Mm. them on the Atari 2600. Now, you could say, well, it's inferior because the hardware is inferior, which is true. Uh, The Intellivision had a much stronger system, and that's not just me being a fan. It's a much better system, but the, uh, for what it can do, you know, you're tied by that controller and the fact that it's harder to get, but still... It was a better system. The 2600 couldn't do everything that the uh, that the Intellivision would do, so they, they kind of just, like, dumbed down the games. Some of them turned out pretty good. Some of them look absolutely horrendous. This one is not good. And it's the same idea as, on the Intellivision, there were a bunch of games that Coleco put out, who made the ColecoVision, clearly. Uh, they put out Donkey Kong, and the ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong is as close to the arcade as you were going to get until the Nintendo came out. Uh, the Intellivision version of Donkey Kong that, that Coleco put out was absolutely a disaster. And that's how I feel about this Burger Time. I think they intentionally made a game because <laughs> Burger Time was like one of those selling pieces for the, the, the Intellivision. Once it was out later and you could say, yeah, sure, maybe Atari has, you know, Asteroids and whatever that's a great version of Asteroids, but that game's four years old. Burger Time just came out last year and look at this almost perfect version of Burger Time that looks incredible. Uh, and then the Atari version is just awful. So that that's my... Uh, my unfounded conspiracy theory over over why the Man. Burger Time game is so bad to me, even though it does have the mechanics. I just think there are many better versions, uh, better examples of games that the Atari 2600 version of a game is almost as good. And I think we're going to talk about one of those next as we talk about Joust. Long ago, in the distant future, where evil knights joust upon beasts of the air, you too must fly. Joust and retrieve the enemy's egg before it hatches and beware the lava below. You can experience this world from the other side. It's called Joust, the arcade game. Home now only from Atari. A video game? Hardly. Joust. You don't play it, you live it. Hey now, uh, th- this one, I- I'll have to speak up here. This one seems very strange uh, with, the- with the food-related, the Thanksgiving-related episode. It's not, it's, uh, um, it's not a food item. <laughs> no, no, there, it's, it's not. Um, but, but the logic behind it, and it's not very sound logic, but I recommended this game for a Thanksgiving episode because... My entire childhood, and I was very young when I first started playing Joust, I swore up and down, could not be convinced otherwise, and I think several family members tried to convince me uh, that these were turkeys that you rode on um, in the game. So, I mean, there you go. That's, That's why it's in there. And looking at it now, I mean, hey, I... 
I, I know I was wrong, but I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I don't feel too bad about it. Uh, these things are very, uh, I don't know. I, they're fuck, I know they're fucking ostriches. God damn it. But it looked like a turkey back then. And that's why it's in this. Uh, just go along with it. And, and I'm fine because it is a good example of how to take an arcade game that I enjoyed. I liked Joust as a, as a kid. Oh, and I yeah. love the Atari port. It is, yeah. uh, unlike Burger Time that we just talked about, this game has plenty of different colored enemies that move very smoothly mm-hmm. all across the screen independently. They have different flight paths from each other. Um, as as you mentioned, you are riding around in a giant ostrich uh, with a like a night lance. Uh, the, the idea of the game, uh, based on the arcade game from 1982, is that you will be fighting other gladiators on these giant birds in waves. So it's, again, single screen, but unlike um, the last, unlike both Burger Time and Fast Food, you can fly, if you go all the way to the left of the screen, for example, you fly over on the right. So it's supposed to be kind of a big Mm -hmm. continuous screen, but everybody does that. So it's not like you fly to the left and all of a sudden the whole screen switches over for you. You just fly over on the right of the exact same screen. Enemies are in the same spot. You still have to deal with them. They can do the same thing. So it's like a big rotating uh, arena almost. Uh, in order to fight these bird enemies, if you drive straight into each other, like if you're on the ground and you're both walking, and you walk into each other, you'll bounce off each other. If you fly into the air and you fly kind of into each other's faces uh, at a fairly even level, you'll also bounce off each other. The only way to hurt the other um, gladiators on their bird mounts is to flappy bird your way over them by the button. Uh, the, the joystick button does nothing but flap your wings. Uh, if you can land on top of them in any way, uh, much like the game Balloon Fight for the NES that came out years later, but is a similar mechanic... Um, if you land on top of them, they will pop and turn into an egg. You then must collect that egg to get your points. Uh, if not, eventually the egg will fly around the screen and you'll hear like a cracking sound. And a couple mm-hmm. seconds later, the enemy will spawn again from the egg and you have to fight them all over again. All the enemies only take one hit to kill uh, the, the other gladiator birds. But there are different difficulty levels. There's a red one, there's a gray one, and there's a blue one. They are just different uh, speeds and different kind of... Uh, I don't want to say different different tactics because the only tactic is to fly around and you know try to uh, to stab each other in, in the head essentially but uh, like the blue ones for example are the hardest they're much faster and they're much more aggressive the red enemies that you kind of start with more or less they'll come after you but very slowly they don't dive bomb you they don't really try too hard to get on top of you uh, but they also will slowly move up and down where the blue bird will actually really kind of do some some damage to you uh, you know come come after you pretty hard uh, you're you're on the same screen, there are these different platforms that you have to try to, you know, sw- fly around and over. You can't fly through them. Also, as you go through the level, once you kill all the birds in one level, uh, the, the level will end and the next level starts. Sometimes the ground at the bottom is not 100% there, and if you fall into that, you immediately die. There's also a giant pterodactyl bird that will make the uh, kind of a neat noise for the Atari, but still a pretty terrible mm-hmm. meow, meow, and fly across the screen, uh, instantly killing you if you touch it, although there is a way to kill it if you can stab it perfectly in the mouth, which I never, ever could do on purpose. And basically, it's a great version of Joust for the Atari. I think it controls very well. I think it's animated well. I mean, compared to what we just talked about, this is how a good Atari port works. Yeah, and this was this was a favorite around the house. Um, I was into this one. My, my father was, was heavily into this one. And yeah, I... I recall this one from the arcade and i think this is one of the first games where i felt like on a home console i was i was getting the game and i wasn't really um missing out Uh, this this to me has always been one of the better um atari 
arcade ports. Like you, you, you said, they've, they've had some good ones. And as we just saw with the last game, they've, they've had some not so good ones when it comes to accuracy. Um, but yeah, but a big, uh, you mentioned the controls, but man, I, I got to stress in a game like this, the kind of the control is, is sort of everything. And I, you don't think about the Atari and think about precise controls or, or something handling well. But they, um, they, they knocked it out of the park on this one. This, this is one of those um, Atari games that I, I, I love, that I still play um, every now and then to this. I was playing it earlier this year. Uh, it's, it's one of those that brings back a lot of good memories. Uh, sitting around with my cousin, I've, I've, I've brought this cousin up many a time. Uh, going through the playing the fucking Atari on my my grandfather's black and white TV, and Joust is one of those games we would settle in and and just melt the hours away with. I didn't play much Joust as a kid. I remember seeing it in the arcade. I've I, but growing up, I've played it a lot more because I figured out that I actually enjoy it. So I was really worried when I saw that Joust was on this list. I was like, oh god, what's this going to be? But unlike burger time where you have to use your imagination pretty heavily to yeah <laughs> figure out what what any of it is um this one it it's it's joust you know it's less detailed of course but mm-hmm. the the physics are there you know the the core gameplay is there it does a good job of mixing it up with like different types of levels and there's a lot of replay value in this one this mm-hmm. is something that you can come back to and really get into to see how far you can make it. It's uh, it, it's just a, a damn good version of Joust. It, it's better than I would have expected on on the twenty six hundred because I wouldn't have expected anyone to get the Joust physics right, especially mm. on the twenty six hundred. Mm. I expected it just to be jerky and you know the same old twenty six hundred mess that a lot of them are. But this one, it feels good, and you know it's. It's darn good. I can't say anything else about it. Well, it's one that was actually made by and developed by Atari themselves, just like I mentioned Missile Command and Activision, or Missile Command and, and Asteroids. Like, the games they put out themselves mm-hmm. generally, mm-hmm. Pac-Man excluded, uh, were, were fairly good versions of the arcade games. They knew they had to really deliver that experience at home if they're going to stay at top of the game, especially now that, the you know, this is 1983. So you've got the Intellivision, you've got the ColecoVision, both of which are, uh, ColecoVision especially, are clearly better systems as far as capabilities go. And you've got home computers now showing up in houses at, a, at an affordable rate. So this Atari now feels like, okay, this is this is like yesterday's technology. So they got to come up with games that are really nailing it, and Joust really does. The other thing we didn't mention is that it is two-player simultaneous, mm-hmm. which there are not a ton mm-hmm. of games that weren't versus immediately uh, for the Atari that were two players at the same time. Um, now, Joust, just like in the arcade, when you play two players, yes, you're fighting against the same computer opponents, and yes, if you can clear those out, great, uh, you'll be done. But you also can't hurt each other. If you land on top of your opponent, the same way you land on top of an enemy, it pops them, uh, causing them to lose a life. They do have, each person has their own life total, so it's not like you share a life pool. Um, But it means that you are going against score against each other, even though you're trying to go up in the levels. The other thing, which uh, we didn't really talk about, but... There are different kinds of waves of levels, not like through the selectors, but as you play through a regular game. So the standard level uh, are where you fight against just the the enemy birds, and that's a survival round. It, whatever enemy birds start at the very beginning will spawn, and then you fight all those. If you take their kill them and take their eggs before they hatch again, great, you can clear that level. Um, 
there's also the pterodactyl level where the entire time while you're fighting kind of a smaller number of these bird enemies, the pterodactyl is always there. So you always have to make sure you're paying attention because it flies across the screen pretty quick in a straight line, but does it, you know, again, will instantly kill you if it touches you. So you have to avoid that. There's an eggs round where all the enemies spawn as eggs that fly across the screen first. And if you don't catch them quickly, you'll hear the hatching noise and all of them suddenly become different birds uh, that you have to take out. Uh, but if you're playing two player, there's a gladiator round that only shows up when you're playing two player. And that's where nothing spawns but you and the person you're playing with and you have to kill each other. Whoever kills each other gets a 3000 point bonus and you go on to the next level. I think that's extreme. I mean, there's a lot to this for, for a, an arcade game anyway, but also for an Atari game. And it does all of what the arcade does. I, I mean, almost as good. It's not as pretty, but it's got all the mechanics. It's not missing anything. It's, this is one of the few games that even once the Nintendo came out, if we did pull the Intellivision, or did pull the Atari out, we would definitely play Joust, and then we would play things like Pitfall and River Raid that, that held up really well. But Joust is easily one of the best games on the system. Uh, and even though it has nothing to do with food, if you pretend they're turkeys, it makes total mm -hmm. sense to talk about for a Thanksgiving mm -hmm. feast. It's the Thanksgiving classic. Well, the, the last game we're going to talk about is also not really tied to food, but it has lots of food in it. Uh, my thought was just, you know, we've eaten all this food. We've had fast food. We've had burgers. We've had arguably turkeys or at least some kind of exotic bird. But now we've all eaten. We're sitting around. It's time to brush our teeth. So we're going to talk about Black Attack for, by Activision. Damn it, you know, I, I squeezed one in here because I thought it looked like a turkey. I have no room to judge how Plaque Attack made it on <laughs> to this episode. But once again, uh, I, this was one of the ones out of the... I think this is the only one out of the bunch. Because um, I did end up recalling fast food. Um, but I, I think this is the only one out of the bunch I had not really played. Uh, if, I, if I did, Lord knows I don't remember. Uh, but it, once again, we've got a, a basic premise. We've got, you know repetitive gameplay like most atari games but uh, once again a lot of charm and a really fucking weird setting yeah it's it's one of those games that could really only be on the 2600 for the you know what it is it, it's just another one of those weird games that somehow came up in someone's head of like what if we put teeth if you're inside of a mouth you're a tiny tube of toothpaste, and things are coming at the teeth. <laughs> I, who thinks of that? It, it's just such a weird concept that I, I don't even know how it, how it's there. But in practice, it's not bad. I think this was my least favorite of all of them. Mm -hmm. But um, it's still, you know, a pretty fun uh, twenty six hundred game. Well, this is by Activision. We had a whole twenty six hundred kind of Activision special. I think last year we did, um, and. This is one of those games that has a patch if you get a certain score point. That that was the episode I'm talking about. So uh, this came out in 1983. This was developed by Steve Cartwright, uh, was the designer. He's the same person who did Sequest and Frostbite that we had talked about previously on that same episode. Mm -hmm. 
If you can get 35,000 points, you're in the no plaque pack patch, which looks like a bunch of teeth. But yes, as Jeremy mentioned, you are playing inside of a mouth. It's a single screen. The top and the bottom are some creepy looking gums. And then these eight giant molars are there. Food will fly onto the screen in, in waves, kind of like Mega Mania or, or Space Invaders almost. And your tube of toothpaste can shoot both up and down, depending on which direction you push last. Otherwise, you're flying around the, ro- the screen uh, and, you, you know, hold down the fire button. You'll continuously fire. Your tube of toothpaste, if you notice, will get smaller as you're playing uh, through each level. Uh, that is the timer that's built into the level is just the toothpaste going down. It's not by number of shots. It's just by time. So there's no reason not just hold on to that fire button and auto fire as much as you can. Um, after you, if the food, uh, you know, if you can shoot the food before it touches the teeth, great. You shoot the food. Uh, I think there's 15 or 20 pieces per level. Uh, you get so many points. I think five pieces per food times the level you're at. Um, otherwise, if the food will fly into a tooth where it totally touches the tooth directly, first the tooth will turn yellow and it will make a noise. If you can shoot that piece of food while the tooth is still yellow, the tooth will turn back to white and you're fine. If, however, you wait too long and the tooth, you know, the, the tooth has turned yellow and the food's sitting there, and I mean too long like a second, a solid second, which in a video game terms is forever, but you'll hear that noise, then after a second, the tooth will decay down into the, into the gums and you lose one of your eight teeth. If at any point you lose all of your teeth, the game is over. Every 2,000 points you earn in a level, you'll see a tooth counter comes at the top. And after you've cleared all the food items out of the level, whatever number of teeth you have at the top will then fill up the mouth, even over the original 8 you get. I think you can get up to 12. I never got 12, but I've gotten 11, and I figured I can keep going from there because there's a spot at least for one more if they don't Mm -hmm. just start cramming them in there. I At first, I didn't really think I liked this game because... I was treating it like Space Invaders where you had to shoot them and then, you know, if they touch the tooth, you immediately lose, right? Like, you lose that tooth or whatever. I didn't realize that the tooth has that second where you can shoot the food and then save the tooth. Once I realized that's more the goal is to to try to shoot them, but at the same time, you have that second shot. Then it became more, I just constantly fired until I heard that noise, then aimed for where I, you know, looked for the tooth that was yellow, went over there and tried to save it real quick. And then I made it a lot farther. I could get through a lot farther of the game. I didn't get to 35,000 points to have earned the patch, but I did get closer to that, where I felt like I understood how you could get 35,000 points. Like, at first I was like, well, I got 800 points. How would you get 35,000 points this game? This is insane. Because I wasn't treating it, uh, you know, I wasn't following all the directions to it. I don't know. This was not my favorite game. I think Joust is easily the, my favorite of the four we talked about today. But I like those Activision games where it is. It takes a simple idea, but it's done really well. It 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 uh, it moves really smoothly. The controls really good on this one. Like I enjoyed. After I figured out, okay, the yellow tooth thing, I played through this a ton. I, and this is maybe my second favorite game uh, we talked about today. Oh, I I, I have to um, kind of echo Jeremy's sentiments on this. I think uh, this is my least. Kind of least favorite, maybe, of the bunch. Not to say I didn't enjoy it. Um, I just... Uh, on the Atari, I played several games kind of like this. This is very similar mechanic to a couple of other Atari games um, which you, you, you kind of mentioned. And I just... I, I don't think I could ever really get in the groove of it. You know? Um, not well enough to progress along. Uh, and And this one definitely... Uh, the rest of these games, I, the repetitiveness never really set in for me. Fast food is is far too insane and and, and far too <laughs> fast moving um, to really like, even get bored with it. Um, if burger time, 
I, I hardly stayed alive long enough to get tired of it. Um, and you know, but I, I just joust. I joust is a, a, a classic. I, I could play that one all night. Uh, this is definitely the maybe the only game of the bunch where um, maybe just a, a touch of boredom settled in. Uh, it's there's not much. I mean, this is like with most Atari games, but especially on this one, there is not a lot to look at. The setting is is bizarre, but once you get down to that and you just get the mechanics of the game, I I think this one does kind of settle in, at least for me, um, into that 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 list of Atari games that I just I I just find kind of too repetitive to play for long. Like that's what makes me stop playing. It's not because I've lost. Uh, it's not because I'm not good at it. It's not because uh, of any other reason other than I know I can probably only get a few minutes in and it's just too samey for me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really change anything up. Yeah. It, you know, besides the weird setting, which is enough to kind of make me laugh for a few stages or waves. I I've never been a, a, a big fan of just endless shooters. Um, and really that's all this one is. I like the, you know, the, the strategy of it is shooting the teeth and, you know, you can, like, uh, shoot up and down in this one. Right. You're not just limited to shooting in one direction like a, a Space Invaders thing. You you have control of your toothpaste. You can go all over the screen and, uh, you know, shoot wherever you want. Well, except left or right. But as long as it's up or down, then, you know, you can do that. <laughs> the game's got your back. But after a bit, I just, I don't know. It's I, I've never been that big of a fan of endless shooters, and I just eventually get bored with it. And it it took about three or four level three or four levels before I was just like, well, I could play this, or I could play Joust, and that's it. that's what I did. You know, I just went back to play Joust because I I had to find something to complain about with that one, but I couldn't. So and I just kind of forgot Plaque Attack. It's cool that you can get a patch, but like Jeremy said, man, whoever is getting that kind of score, like that that's impressive <laughs> to me because I wasn't doing much. But yeah, it's it's so so for me. I can see why somebody would like it. If but if you're in, you're not into endless shooters, probably not a big deal unless you just don't want to see the weird shit of being inside of a mouth with a you know toothpaste thing. So yeah, I, yeah, I can take it or leave it. Mostly leave it. that's going to do it for our Thanksgiving feast of Atari 2600 games, uh, games that are loosely based, very loosely in some cases, around food uh, for your Thanksgiving enjoyment uh, while you're either making food or avoiding your family, or if you don't live in the U.S., just enjoying a Thursday. Um, if you belong to our Patreon, there are two more food-related episodes that are not Atari 2600 games, but are in fact NES games, and you probably have one of them already right now. The other one will be up uh, sometime before the end of the month uh, as, as kind of the follow-up to this episode. But if you don't belong to our Patreon and you're interested, you can always find it by going to Retrovania.net, where there's links to not only that Patreon, but all our social media, while all of that's still around, uh, but also at the very bottom. The most important thing on that page is a question form where you can send questions into this show and we'll answer them like we're going to do right now. That's right. And we're still catching up on questions and I'm actually going to read them in the order they were submitted this time because mm -hmm. people get mad at me for that <laughs> and message me and say, I know I sent that question in before he did. But um, yeah, we're going to start off with Southern Baker. 
and he wants to know about international travel. I believe this question has been asked before, but it was a while ago. So, do either of you have experience with travel outside the U.S.? If so, what country has been your favorite to visit? Which would you most like to visit, and do you think you ever will? Uh, I mean, it, it, uh, travel outside, my travel outside the U.S. has been uh, limited. I, I, you know, I've never, I haven't crossed the, crossed the ocean at any point in time. Uh, you know, Canada a little bit, Mexico about several times over. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, I'm kind of one of those people that there's kind of a lot here that I still haven't seen. Um, there are things I definitely want to check off here before I'm, I'm out and about elsewhere. Um, God, as far as where I'd like to go, it, it varies. It, it varies wildly. Um, I, I am talking with a, a few friends of mine about uh, a trip to Japan that is going to be wrestling based, uh, revolving one around one of their biggest uh, wrestling shows of the year. Um, I, I do have a very historical leaning with things. So, I mean, any, any fucking old buildings, any ruins, anything you can present to me, I, I'm usually uh, instantly uh, interested in. But I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. I, I've got a few things jotted down, and I'll, I'll get to them. Uh, but it, it's still not one of those things I'm, I'm not in a big rush for. And, you know, and COVID kind of put a damper on a lot of things over the last couple of years. And that's just, just now, sort of. Not in Jeremy P's house. But it's just now sort of becoming a little better. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I think everybody put their plans on the back burner for a little bit there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, the only place I've ever been outside of the U.S. is uh, is Barbados for my honeymoon. And then I've been into to Canada, but just like just over the border into Canada. Nothing too exciting. Uh, I'd love to go visit more places. I, I don't like the idea of flying for that long or that far or you know a 16 hour flight sounds horrible to me but that said i'd love to go to europe i'd love to go anywhere and and visit all these places i've never been so i mean europe's the one that seems the most you know the easiest to go to, to visit many countries my wife went to spain and germany um a couple years ago with a friend of hers like i wish i would have been able to make that trip work um but yeah i, I have not been anywhere i'd love to go see almost anything but yeah covid kind of put a lot of a lot of the travel plans i might have had uh uh, on the back burner, along with having small children, because I think the idea of flying again across the ocean with small children sounds terrible. Mm. So, uh, once I get a little older and can maybe enjoy a, a trip like that, I'd love to do, you know, two three weeks where we just go to Europe and, and travel around, see what we can see. So they, I never get to do that as a kid. I'd love to be able to do that for my kids, but we'll see. We will see if I can get over this COVID and leave my own basement. Well, that's a big first step, and you know, for me right now, that's that would be a big first step as well. Um, I've I've I love traveling, but just mostly by vehicle, car, you know, something with wheels. I, I love driving, and I've seen a lot of the Midwest and a lot of the South. And, but I've not really, kind of like Billy, there's, there's a lot left for me to see in this country that I'd love to see. It's a big-ass country, if you're not from here. Um, I've been over to, uh, like Jeremy, uh, Niagara Falls in Canada. But, you know, that's really about it. That's all I've seen. I've just seen a bunch of Tim Hortons and wax museums. So that's my experience with Canada. If I really wanted to go somewhere, I'd probably, I'd probably pick Japan just because of all the, you know, the shopping that I see on YouTube that people are doing over there. 
uh, it's it's amazing to me. There's also a lot of things that I'd love to check out over there, and a lot of the food, and it it, it just seems like a neat place. It's not anywhere I want to live or spend a lot of time in, but you know, it's definitely a, a place that I'd like to see some at some point. Problem is, I, I can't drive there. At least I don't think I can. But uh, you know, when that can happen, I'll probably just do that. Maybe stay off the airplanes. But thank you, Southern Baker, for writing in. We'll we'll get there eventually. All of us will be healthy enough to go into these things. Uh, but our next question is totally not a CIA agent, and uh, <laughs> That's um, a good start. Yeah. So he says uh, no subject. Um, he says hello. I am gathering information on a dangerous fugitive, known alias in a known aliases. Black Basson, son of a bitch. Possible relatives, <laughs> Billy Holiday. He's wanted for being <laughs> he's wanted for being instrumental in the financial sabotage of former rental chain Blockbuster Video. He has he was last seen holding a copy of Super Black Bass hostage while making threatening gestures at Blockbuster employees. If you have any information on this on this individual, please make another Gone Fishing episode. Super Black Bass <laughs> 2 was a bit better. And you can Ooh. find some manual scans on archive.org. I, I think that's a recommendation, but also I'd love to do more Gone Fishing episodes. But that's some great callback to our Black Bass episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm glad this is not um, CIA agent. That, that lends me a great deal of comfort in talking about this. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not at, at liberty to divulge anything. I'm, I'm also not at liberty to divulge that I may be in possession of that copy of Super Black Bass. Um, it, it's been called into question because I have a copy of Super Black Bass, have for years, um, but my folks don't remember picking it up for me and I don't remember buying it from the store. Um, so, uh, fuck, I'm going to have to. I guess what do I do? Do I take it back to that only the, to the last blockbuster running now? Yeah, that's what, what I would what, do what, in Bend, Oregon. What's the etiquette? All right, I, I guess fucking we'll we'll road trip it one day. We talked about travel in the last one. I wouldn't mind going up that way to see that blockbuster, and I can return that copy of Super Black Bass. And when the time comes for me to pl- to pay thirty years worth of late fees, they'll look up to find. Find me no longer there in a car squealing tires out of the parking lot. Yeah, and we can actually both get married there as well. Um, I don't know to who, maybe like a, a blockbuster employee, but mm-hmm. that, I've, you know, I watched that documentary on the last blockbuster. It, it's pretty cool. I, I wouldn't mind going and checking that out and uh, watching you pay a, a fortune in late fees yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, Thank you. Totally not a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, you know, maybe in the future we'll get that get that game back. But I, I wouldn't hold your breath. Maybe just no. stop searching yeah. for this uh, black mm-hmm. bass and son of a bitch. <laughs> Our next question comes in from Brian Greemore, and he says, Hello. "I did it." Hey guys, I was just listening to to the all-male episode about mac and cheese and some ice cream discussions that turned grim quickly. 
The episode ended and I expected to hear the next one begin, but there was only silence. I looked down at Spotify, realized I had listened to all 166 episodes, mumbled a very unenthusiastic, holy shit, and went on with my day. What an achievement. Speaking of achievements, an obscure PS1 game popped into my head the other day called Elemental Gearbolt. Yes. I beat it years ago and still remember Mm. how intense the final battle was. I still consider it to be one of the my finest gaming achievements. I'm curious to know if any of you have played it, and if so, what your thoughts are. Side note, I still have that copy of Xenogears and might even have an original copy of Elemental Gearbolt if you guys want them. So reach out Ooh. if you're interested. Yes, that's my real email address. I can't believe it. You shouldn't do that. Keep up your excellent work, and thanks for all the laughs. I loved Elemental what? Gearbolt. It is a gun con game. There's only a handful of games that use that gun con that came with Time Crisis. And Elemental Gearbolt was one that I, uh, as soon as it came out, I was so excited and I played it and I was horrible at it. I maybe got through four levels of it, but it was, <laughs> it was really good. It wasn't, I mean, it looked more like, uh, almost like a shmup, like you're flying it around and you're literally taking stuff. It was, it was great. It is, it is an, a wonderful gun game. Um, I have no idea how I would play it anymore, so I appreciate the offer, but I do not have a gun con. Uh, I do have a, a working PS2 on a CRT that I could make it work, but I just don't have the gun con part. So, um, but if you like those kind of games, it's one of the best of them, and it's also fairly pricey. Well, uh, I, I'm not familiar. Oh, I, I've heard of this game. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen a little video um, in in the past. I have not actually sat down um, and played through this one. Thought it looked really neat. Uh, don't know if it would be my kind of thing or not, uh, but I, I, I'm always enthused about PS1 games that that I I never really played because uh, I really just hunkered down with that PS1 and I played these same handful of games for the life of that system, and I rarely ventured outside of them. Uh, but but also, holy shit! Congratulate! I don't know. Do you congratulate somebody for listening to all of our episodes? Is that congratulations or condolences? I, I'm not sure, um, but I wish you whichever one applies. I don't know about condolences, maybe like a extended period of depression. I mean, con- condolences <laughs> for all that, all that, all that lost time. <laughs> but no, but no, it, it, it's, it's very much appreciated. And man, if you, if you started at number one and you made it all the way through, then fucking get this fella, a big semen grandpa patch and send it along. I, you know, the, it, it amazes me that anyone does it and it, it's kind of, I would like to go back and listen to those early episodes to see if we were more yeah, joyful in, in no, the episodes, even though they were bad, you know, if we had a brighter outlook on things and, you know, by the time you <laughs> get to 166, we're talking about, you know, suicide and a fucking Dairy mm-hmm. Queen, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just how it is. Um, when you do 166 of anything, you're, you're probably yeah. just going to be talking about suicide at that point. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you've got that copy of Xenogears, I I have played and beat Xenogears back in the day, and it's it's like 170 hours long and barely makes sense. I love it to death, though. But um, we'll see about that. It would take a lot of time for us to cover that one, and uh, it, it's something I would love to look into, but man, that that's a long haul of a game. That's something we would have to play over time. And we've barely got time to play Atari 2600 games. Um, 
as for elemental gear bolt, anything with a Joy-Con is another thing I would love to cover because, you know, time crisis, that was amazing. And, you know, the elemental gear bolt, I heard of it, but I never played it. Everyone was like, it's amazing, but it's, it's kind of hard to get, wait, was it a Joy-Con or a Gun-Con? Gun-Con. Gun-Con. That's okay. Okay. Delete everything I just said about the Gun-Con. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to cover, you know, any of that stuff, uh, like Elemental Garibald. That sounds like a lot of fun. I remember hearing about it, um, but it was, you know, I just didn't really have a, a Gun-Con back in the day. So sounds cool. And uh, we'll see about Xenogears in the future. So thank you, Brian Grimoire. <laughs> I hope I'm saying your name right. It's either Grimoire or Grimoire. Um, thanks for listening to all 166 episodes. You, do, you deserve one of those Atari badges. Mm-hmm. What, whichever one you want, let us know. We'll find it. Probably not. And finally, our last question is going to come in from Garrett. And he's wanting to know about spoilers. And this is a kind of a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And he says, as a retro podcast, why do you care so much, so much about spoiling the ends of games or the overall story? Most games you review are well over 10 years old. It's on the listener to skip if they don't want to be spoiled. It's annoying as a casual listener to be left in the dark of plots of endings of old games because you are so cautious of spoilers. Uh, I, th- I think it varies. I mean, there's somewhere, yeah, you'll throw it out there, but I think... I, I, I guess we approach it from we never know because um, in my own experience so much I, listening to retro gaming podcasts or movie podcasts or things like that. Um, a lot of times I'll listen to an episode on something I haven't played or haven't seen and I'll I'll seek it out. Um, especially I won't mention the means, but especially how easy it is nowadays um, to do that. Uh, so I, I, I think we we tiptoe around it on games that are very story heavy like it uh, the, the detriment the 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 enjoyment uh, if we spoil the ending it would be to the detriment of anybody who you know tried to tried to play it later on um and and i think a lot of times we kind of encourage people to go back to some of these games that have like really good story to them um of course mario rescues the fucking princess right uh we all know that but then there are some games where they're they're twists and turns along the way and and i hate to kind of rob somebody of 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 that experience if i think if we deem it one that would be memorable um i i I think that's just the way i feel about it and and yeah you can do the whole you know spoilers incoming thing but a lot of times I'm listening to shit in my car and I, I you know, I'm not trying to fucking slide it over five minutes later or, or just keep tapping the skip 30 seconds button until I'm there. It, it's a slippery slope. And, you know, for, for mail about people, and I understand mail about people saying, well, you should, you know, don't be afraid to, to talk spoilers. I, I think for every one piece of mail that we have for that, I think we'd have fucking 10 pieces floating in. Or, you know, fuck you guys for spoiling that. Um, so it's 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 one of those things. It's a balance. Um, I, I don't know if we hit that balance well or not, but I, I think that's, at least for me, that's the logic going into it. Yeah, I think I'm looking through the last 
not even last. I'm looking through our episode lists, and there's only a few that I think we've really tried not to say the ending, and I'd say most of them mm. are the Halloween games. You know, Resident Evil's, we don't mind too much ruining the ending to, because yeah. they're so over the top that it, it's like, yeah, but the, the hard part is getting there. But even then, I think yeah. we've tried to avoid that with Resident Evil, but really the Silent Hills are the ones we, we really try not to ruin the story too, too much, because I think the whole reason to play mm. those games is to kind of see you know, what's going to happen, especially Silent Hill 2, mm-hmm. for example. And in Silent Hill 4 this year, we did we, we did explain what was happening, but we didn't necessarily, you know, give you all the details, because I think a game like that, you kind of want that reveal. But I do understand, if you didn't want to play the game, then we are wasting your time by not, by not telling you the ending of a game. I would say you can just go to Wikipedia and read about that game if you're worried about it for the few we do that for. But for most of our games... We don't do that. And I will sometimes say, hey, if you don't want to know what happens, go ahead and stop listening now. But generally, aside from a handful of games, I think we have talked about the endings or the last bosses or the, you know, the the the, the turn in the story that would make sense or, you know, make make it interesting uh, more often than not. But you're right. I guess we, we shouldn't care. These are games that are 20 plus years old. But, you know, my own experience when we played, I'm going to use Silent Hill because we just played it and I just mentioned it. But when we, I knew nothing about the story to those games other than, you know, the intros. I intentionally didn't read ahead. I intentionally didn't want to know. And I enjoyed playing them that way. And I hope other people will, will take the time to do the same. But you're right. We, we don't need to put spoiler warnings out. You know, it's just like if we did movie reviews. We talked about Star Wars. Everyone knows. You don't need to put a spoiler up for Star Wars. But, but that's, you know, I don't know. That's just me and my own paranoia. I think overall we've, We've done a good job of letting people know that this is a story-based game, and you know half the the fun of the game is following the story, and we we don't want to spoil that kind of thing. You know, I'll defend Silent Hill, you know, forever. I, I don't think it, playing through Silent Hill Two is and experiencing the story is is literally half the game, and it's it's such a good story that it's not. We don't really want to spoil it. We could, and we could probably talk about the ending for like another 45 minutes, but, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. And like Billy said, we have gotten emails before that was just like, why did you spoil this? I was looking forward to playing through this while I was listening to the podcast, and you just told me the ending. So it's, you know, some people like it, some people don't. We, I, I like I said, I think we, we strike a pretty good balance. Um so uh, we'll in the future, you know, we'll discuss that a little bit more. But uh, overall, we're we're doing what we can. But yeah, thanks, Garrett, for writing in, and that's gonna do it for mail this week. Uh, so uh, hope everybody has a, a a cool Thanksgiving from me. And and if you don't, and you're bored at home because you're stuck in your basement like me, we have two more episodes all about food. You can download along with all of our other episodes, uh, bonus episodes we do three per month, by joining our Patreon, which you can always find at Retrovania.net. And otherwise, we will see you next month as we start my favorite month of the year, our Christmas celebration that has nothing to do with Christmas at all for the games we're going to cover this year. And we'll see you then. a man an Atari game and he'll turn into a little boy. But don't worry, he'll be grown up enough to share it.